Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Elveson with the Digital Education Podcast. Um, super excited to have back guests when I get the opportunity, especially innovators who are on the, the forefront or in the forefront of change in our profession, but then also the creation of new opportunities, um, new ideas, and new work in uh, schools and in our profession of education. And um, just love these opportunities and really an opportunity to delve into something that people, there's not much in between land of where people fall right now of whether they're really excited about it or whether they're really nervous about it. And so I'm with Paul Matthews, a friend of mine from Australia now, um, who is leading and developing um, an AI tool and product and partner We'll get into how you think about some of those things, Paul, because your thoughts have been impactful for me, called My Teacher Aid. And so, Paul, just we, we talked before and we've been on been in this conversation before a few months ago, but I really wanted to delve into because with My Teacher Aid, you've done a pilot. I'd, I'd love, number one, an update on the pilot and on some of your work. And then even maybe just reflections over the last you know couple months as you've built your work. Sure. Well, look, thanks for having me back, Eric. It's an absolute treat to be speaking with you again today, all the way from Tasmania. So you can tell for one reason why we're tech enthusiasts, because we're able to talk. You're, you're over there in the States. I'm down here in Tasmania. And boy, oh boy, it is good to be talking with you again. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm the CEO and co-founder of My Teacher Aid. And My Teacher Aid wants to bring uh, cost-effective, user-friendly tech to teachers. We understand that teachers uh, teachers are the heroes of society, I believe. And I'm a little bit biased, Eric, because I am one. All right, so I, I'm, I'm pumping up my own ties a little bit there. But some of the research coming out of Australia was pretty dire. We saw that 70% of teachers said their workload was unmanageable. You know, 60% of all the days off in the education profession were due to stress and overwhelm. So being a teacher, being in the thick of it myself, um, when AI came along, especially as a Christian, I thought there's a redemptive aspect. I can use this to love my neighbor. And so what we did was we wanted to build an AI that helped teachers with their lesson planning, with their assessment creation, with their rubrics, with all sorts of things. We wanted to let teachers get back to doing what they got in the profession to do, which was inspiring the next generation of teachers. I mean, uh, of students rather. We said it before, but people don't get into the profession to write long lesson plans and go to inbox zero. And so that's why we created a tool like this. We want to see AI do what it can do so teachers can get back to doing what only they can do, which is loving, caring, and being pastoral leaders, shepherding our young people. There's, there's no more important job. I'm convinced of it. And so, yes, we've had our pilot program. We had 500 people uh, apply for the pilot. We had uh, 10 days where we opened up our suite of tools. Now, it's integrated within the Australian curriculum, so they were mainly teachers from Australia. And I've got to tell you, just as a bird's eye view, Eric, let me give you four statistics and a story. Okay, so that's where I'll take you with this. The four statistics, I think, they nearly brought a tear to my eye. So 100% of our pilot users said my teacher aid helped reduce stress and helped them manage their workload. And again, as an educator, and even sitting in the same staff room as some of the people who were giving that feedback, I thought... You beauty, okay? You beauty, I love that. 94% uh, wish they had my teacher aid when they started teaching. 88% said they'd actually be more likely to differentiate for their learners. 
if they were using my teacher aid, more likely to create custom bespoke resources. One size fits all learning is like one size fits all clothing, right? It's it's really that good for that many people. So that's a big win for me. Why do we do anything as educators? It's for our students. And so if this tool allows people to create more individualized resources for their students, hey, that's a big win. The last stat is that 97% of people found the tech platform that the platform we provided with my teacher aid easy to use and intuitive and again that's no small feat either so i was really happy with those four stats but it's actually this small anecdote that i loved this is what jane from victoria said she said i created an entire unit in a day uh, including lesson plans assessments rubrics unit overview and a parent letter this would have taken me my whole summer holidays and that's the sort of thing that I, like I said, man, I am overjoyed with that. I know there's an educator out there that's getting to spend time with her family. It's going to spend time relaxing. And she is going to be so much better off in the classroom for having a proper summer break and not having to grind herself down, creating learning resources by hand, the old fashioned way. Uh, so look, I've got to tell you, I'm so happy with how the pilot, uh, how the pilot went and the results we're getting from it. So, so for you, I'm I'm really interested because that's phenomenal stuff. Was there a surprise in that for you? In 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 some of the results that you received during the pilot? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I didn't expect it to be so positive. And I need to stay, take a step back and say, okay, there might be a sampling bias here. It might be the people who are really revved up about the tool that submitted the feedback and need to account for that. But it was it was really positive especially the platform that was used the, the saying that it was easy and intuitive to use that was fantastic i also found that when we compared the data people who'd watched the tutorial videos actually did a much better job or able to create much more learning resources people like you and i have been spending a lot of time using ai we understand it but i don't think most people do ai is not a mind reader okay in fact in many ways ai is not as smart as you or i i'm the professional I, I'm the one who's got the professional discretion. AI, I use it like quite literally like a teacher aid, like an assistant to do bulk work, to do a high volume of things. Uh, I might ask my teacher aid to give me five possible ways of assessing something and then I'll pick one as the executive in that sort of situation. Many people use AI as if A, it's a mind reader. So I'll type in something very simple and it will come out and they go, well, that's not what I want. Yeah, well, actually, I don't think you did a very good job of telling it what you want. It's it's good at understanding us if we can communicate ourselves properly, all right? If, if we can actually um, articulate ourselves with detail and a bit of color in there. So I think there's some learning there for people because this was many teachers' first experience of AI. So I, I would say there's still a lot of education that needs to be done in school communities around AI in general. And I certainly found when people were using our platform, those who were able to understand the basic concepts of, yes, AI is really powerful, but it's not a mind reader, you still need to be in the driver's seat. And iteration is key. You are very unlikely, no matter how good the tool is, you are very unlikely to get the the, the right thing first crack. And so I think I found that, um, and that's one of the things that we're doing next year, I will be spending a lot of time onboarding schools onto our platform, meaning that that education is going to be there. And I think that's one of the unique selling points of my teacher aid is it's it's built by teachers for teachers, not by a tech company for teachers. And it, you're going to be onboarded by a professional educator. It's these sorts of things which are actually going to get it into the hands of the everyday teacher, not just the tech enthusiast. So, so I'm interested, 
you know, because most people are, are educators who listen to my podcast and most of them are probably my friends, um, you know, in, in a lot of these ways. And they tend to be on the front end of technology, of innovation, of trying things. They tend to be, you know, they're open to risk and open to opportunity. And I've been using a lot of the different AI tools um, and, and have, have done some incredible things in, in, in amazing ways and a high quality, right? You know, as I reflect on them and as I use them and as I, the high quality, but what would be a tip for somebody who's like an early adopter, an integrator, somebody maybe like me, like you, like some of our friends that say, hey, here's a way that you can use this more efficiently and effectively now and today, rather than just playing around with it and seeing what happens. The big piece that I often talk about, Eric, is asking it for ideas and you using professional discretion to choose between your ideas. I think if you conceive of AI in the same way that perhaps you and I do, and I've named our company My Teacher Aid, I see it as an assistant to the teachers. Politicians get assistance, lawyers get assistance, doctors get assistance. All right. Teachers, we don't have the money for assistance, but now finally, by God's grace, with the advent of this sort of technology, we can actually step into more of an executive role. So I would say if you really want to make sure you're not just doing lots of work with AI, but you're getting a high quality, rich work that benefits yourself and benefits your students, I would say take on that executive approach. See yourself almost as the CEO of your own classroom. So you're not you're treating AI not as a write me an assignment on the key causes of World War One. You're saying um, present to me five assignments that I could run at the end of the unit on the key causes of World War One. Give me the pros and cons of both, and then I might choose the best one. In fact, I might even choose the best one for most students. But I, using my professional discretion again. I might then say, well, I, I know there's a couple of people out there who just aren't a huge fan of essays. In fact, they might just sit in the corner and pick a scab. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them um, a different task, maybe involving media arts or something like that. So I would say if you really want to take your usage to the next level, picture yourself as a CEO, picture AI as a whole workforce working for you, and you're the one setting the direction and you're the one setting the tone and tenor and you're just simply getting a whole bunch of input and feedback and then choosing the right path. That'd be my, my, my biggest piece of advice. So, so take the, 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 the comment that you took from that teacher earlier, where she's like, I was able to do this in one day and it would have taken me my whole, you know, you know, vacation, right. To do that. What would be your encouragement to a team of teachers who are on the front end of this, who are working with that teacher or a group of teachers like that and saying, hey, you know what, here's not just how you can use it as CEO, but here's how you can use it even uh, as a partner in collaboration to make your work as a team better. Yeah, I, I think it opens up a lot of time for teamwork because what does it allow you to do? What does AI realistically allow you to do? It allows you to get your good first draft, okay? I've tried to run stuff in the early days of AI when I perhaps overestimated its capacity. And of course, as a brief parenthetical comment here, Eric, if people are really worried about AI and 
you should just have a user. Just roll roll up your sleeves, have a crack, get your get your hands dirty in it, because you'll start to realize pretty quickly that while it is powerful, it's still quite limited, and it still is deeply reliant on humans to create and generate good output. So I would say, what does AI realistically allow us to do to create a good first draft? Okay, if I'm writing a unit sequence, Hemingway said that all good writing is editing. All right, so what I don't want to do if I'm writing my learning sequence, say um, three weeks on the causes of World War One, I, I don't want to spend all my planning time writing my first draft because likely that's not going to be as creative and nuanced as I was hope as I would hope. What do I want to do then? Well, I want to spend a good chunk of time that I would have spent bashing at this first draft. I want to spend a good amount of time just being being still, being silent, thinking, pondering, wondering. Teachers don't have enough time to do that, but it's central to our role. I want to know that I, I can think, ponder, wonder, go for a walk, take my time, ideate, and then I can give some really specific input and AI will allow me to create that first draft in a matter of seconds. And then what can I do? Well, I can reflect, I can iterate, I can edit. So far from making us less creative, I'm absolutely convinced it will make us more creative because we're not spending the bulk of our time um, not thinking, not reflecting, and not editing. We're not spending the bulk of our time creating this first draft. What we're actually able to do is we're able to open up time for teacher collaboration, for getting everyone together. Most everyone knows that teacher collaboration is good practice. The effect size of that in education is well known. Why don't we do it so often? Because we don't have the time especially if you're a small and underfunded school, your school simply can't afford to have you off class for the length of time and coordinate that with all the other year nine history teachers so you can have a chat. So what can you do? Well, now that we have several efficiencies that we've gained in our lesson planning, well, we can use some of the time that we've saved, not, not to get in the car and head out early and play nine holes of golf, but actually catch up with fellow educators to make sure that we're creating really consistent and interesting learning across all the grades and across all the classes. I, I love it. I love the perspective that you bring to this. I love that, you know, you even say you're an educator building this with educators for educators rather than, you know, technologists in some ways. Um, but we have friends that have worries. And so I want to present to one general worry and then, and then also one specific worry to you. The general worry was a, uh, somebody I think we both know, but will remain nameless, who thinks we're too excited about what AI is and what it can do. Um, I, I maybe put the onus on us. Where are the places that maybe we should maybe be more thoughtful and wise about our excitement? Um, and then where might be there a place where it's like, nah, you need to get more excited? Well, let me let me start with a ladder because it's it's always easy to fling a bunch of rotten fruit at people. So let me let me say this. Um, look, I think people who are most hesitant haven't used it a lot of the time. And that's been really telling in the conversations I've had. I've had. I said, okay, in, in your experience, what have been um, the benefits and the negatives? And they'll say, well, I haven't, I haven't used it. And I would just encourage all people everywhere to have a try, even if you're an, an educator who hates the idea of it. I often conceive as education, as especially, especially as a Christian educator, Eric, as cross-cultural missions. Uh, those students in my class, although they have the same skin color as me and although they live in the same suburbs that I live in 
They inhabit a different world. They are growing up in a world that I didn't grow up in and they think things and have basic assumptions that I don't have. And so if something is affecting my students as deeply and profoundly as AI is, I need to know about that. Even if I'm not red hot keen about it, if I want to minister to them effectively, well, I, I need to know what's going on in their world. And that means as, as long as it's ethical and I think basic use of AI is, well, I, I want to be uh, using it and understanding it at, at least insofar as it allows me to better relate to them and understand the unique challenges and struggles they have. They're, our students now are going to be facing temptations with artificial intelligence that we simply never had to face, right? Uh, educators who are my age and, and older, I'm in my early 30s, we never had to resist the temptation to artificially generate our essays, ever. We could float through our entire schooling career with zero self-control in that area, and we walked a narrow path just because there was no there was no path off to the left or the right. Now, there were other ways to cheat, but not like this. So I would say to those educators, actually have a try. I'd actually also say to those educators, why don't you come and sit next to me for a day? Why don't you come and see how I use it? Because I can tell you the story of a young child called Shung Yin. He came from China into my class. And he has got about six and a half words of English. And I love him to death. I really do love him. And I want him to learn. I've got even less Mandarin than he has English. So there's a bit of a deficit of communication. But thankfully, using one of the tools that uh, exists online by another company, what was I able to do? Well, I was able to take the PDF chapter of our textbook. I was able to put it in. And in two minutes, it translated it into Mandarin. Now, that is 1,000 times better. His experience in my year nine history class is going to be so much richer and more full than it would have been without that. Now, my school's never going to spring to have a textbook translated. That's a wild amount of expense. And I'm certainly not going to be able to do it. But what were we able to do? We were able to translate it quickly and easily, not just the text, but the graphs and diagrams and discussion questions. And if you're uh, if you are that student, you're going to be pretty happy about AI. So I think we need to understand that Christ is a big Christ. The Lordship of Christ extends over all areas and all technology can be used redemptively. Of course, there are unethical uses, but I would say let's let's focus on the good it can do for our students. Again, that's why we do everything. We do it for our students. And if there's a chance this can make my students' experience of learning and growing better, then of course I want to use it. So I'd say those two things. Have a try and and go and shadow someone who is uh, disciplined, but also has the best interests of their students in mind. Now to the second part. Well, actually the first part of your question, Eric. What should we What should we be wary of? Um, I think most people who are gung ho about educators, they need a stricter delineation over. Uh, uh, sorry, gung ho about artificial intelligence. They need a stricter delineation about who should be using it often. I think teachers should use it often. Why? Because we've already developed our skills. We've already developed our capacity to study the curriculum, to write assignments, to create lesson plans. We have crystallized skill, and so we can then use this tool. But there's a really telling graph that came out in a recent article uh, by, by John Hattie and Dylan William, two educators, and they said, if you're an expert, you're going to become more productive. But if you're a novice, you're actually going to get worse. So I would say we need to draw some pretty hard and fast lines with our students because they actually haven't developed those skills that we rely on to use AI well. And if if they 
actually go through their whole schooling career without writing an essay or without thinking deeply or without brainstorming or without staring at a blank page and a blinking cursor, I think they're going to be markedly worse off. So I think we can't just take it en masse. Is AI good? Yes or no? Because that's just it doesn't have the nuance to be able to actually answer anything properly. I think it's great for teachers because they're burning out at a rate of knots. I think it's perhaps not so good for students a lot of the time. I think it could be great in some circumstances, but I think we need a lot of education with our students. And I think we need to really show them what is at stake, all right? If they graduate out of their schooling career, having got really high marks, but never having to actually have switched their brain on, they're going to be much, much worse off for it. So that would be in summary, um, my hesitation or my warning to the enthusiasts like you and I, let's just make sure that, um, we are able to be nuanced in when and where we use AI. AI is a tool. It's like any other tool. It's not always the right tool to use. So one of the, I wanted to ask a technical question before we maybe wrap up with some of your reflections just in general. But before this podcast, I, I was actually on a call with a friend of mine who's a teacher and um, she's finishing her semester. And I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? Right. You know, as because um, we were going to try to get together. She's like, I'm grading essays all weekend. How how might you use AI? Because the worry, some of the worry is you take the personalization out of the feedback looping process as you get to um, the, the the content and the creation of a product such as um such as a, a, you know, a lengthy essay or a long, you know, essay um, or paper, research paper of some sort. How, how might you use something like my teacher aid or an AI sort of driven product to enhance the feedback looping so that what students create is actually better so that then when you come to the end of the semester, your grading is more effective, efficient, and you see the students at up at a more, at a higher level? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because assessment is key. All right. So when we're, when we're talking about one of the big movers, what's really moving the needle for our students? Well, feedback is there. Again, if you look at John Hattie, visible learning, the effect size of feedback is huge. Why don't we do it often? Because of time. Um, so one of the things I would say, first of all, I'll break the answer up into two or three parts. First of all, there was a study done at Harvard where there was a, a big course, I think it was like intro to business or psychology or something like that. One of those big, open, big, wide front door courses. And half the group um, got, a, uh, got automatic AI-generated feedback. And half the group got a, a less regular but personalized feedback. And actually, the group who got automatically generated feedback, so it didn't even run through the professor's brain. He didn't read their work and then enter in a few keywords and the feedback was written. It was all automated. A few people at the end, well, actually what they found was the automatic AI-generated feedback people, because there was just more feedback more regularly, they actually had higher learning achievement which is pretty wild, if you ask me. A few people even said on the survey, look, the course wasn't much chopped, but I really appreciated the personalized feedback. And they're in the AI group. And you go, wow, okay. So more feedback is better. And if we can get more feedback, that's good. However, from an ethical perspective, Eric, I think it's always important, me as a teacher, to know what is going on in the work of my students. I can't get myself to a place where I could outsource the marking entirely. Now, let me nuance that a little bit. I think 
with AI, we can generate many more low stakes quizzes and tests as a measure of learning. So not leaving everything to a big summative assessment at the end, but with AI now that I can get AI to help me create simple tests, create simple rubrics so students can self-assess, peer assess, and I can assess them. I'm actually going to do more assessment. That's that's really good. And some of that I would be willing to automate. If it was a simple 10-question quiz based on the content of a lesson, I'm happy to have that set up and so it's self-grading. But when it comes to the big summative piece, the big end-of-term uh, piece, I think we as teachers, we really want to be wrapping our head around that ourselves. Why? Because it's not its not just about giving feedback to that student. It's also about knowing them, knowing what they need, being able to love them well and shepherd them well. It's about getting an insight into their thoughts and knowing where we can help them in every subsequent interaction we have with them. I teach the same students for four years in a row, right? So if I outsource the marking uh, of my student work, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to have a pretty rapidly deteriorating mental corpus of what my students are actually able to achieve. So then when it comes to marking an AI, I think the best thing is to, um, to read it, to understand it, and then to get AI to help you with your comment generation. I like to give AI, I, I use it, I like to give it um, two sentences and it will flesh those to, and and. What do I not include? I don't include, uh, dear Harry, thank you so much for your essay. All right. The AI can write that. And Harry and I are not going to be any worse off. Okay. So I, I say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, my prompt will include something like, um, please thank the student for their work. Um, here is one thing they did really well. Here is one thing they did poorly and can improve upon next time to improve their grade. Um, please turn my feedback into two short paragraphs. And then I edit it. All right. And whereas it would have taken me perhaps six or eight minutes to write two short paragraphs, it takes me, um, I spend the same amount of time reading the essay as I would. I have the same reflections as I otherwise would have, but I distill those into a keyword or a key sentence. And then I curate the AI generated um, uh, output. And for me and for my students, that means more feedback more often and less time spent marking. So I'm not fried when I enter the classroom and missing a whole lot of interpersonal and pastoral opportunities. So that's, I guess, a 30,000 foot view of marking and AI, especially from, from my perspective as a, as a teacher in a, a year seven to year 12 high school in Tasmania. Well, I, I think it's also one of those amazing things where it could be used even in the marking side of things is to prevent you know bias too. Where, whereas like you eventually get to those feedback loopings where, you know, you then take out my personal bias, whether that be a personal bias towards the student or a personal or, or an unknown bias that I might have, or just a personal ignorance to maybe the topic that they're writing on or what I even perceive as, you know, maybe the, the, the thing that they should be answering or getting at. And so that's always been an interesting challenge to me as a teacher, especially as a history teacher, getting all kinds of different perspectives yeah. um, when it comes to a, you know, a prompt, because I love the open-ended prompts that led to kind of reflection, but then also you know, the, the wisdom of, 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 of a person's point of view or you know, assessment of a historical event or situation. And you know, so it's always those great things that you look through and it then it removes even a little bit more of me from the assessment and the marking process. And so it, it, that's great. Go ahead. 
All I will say is that I've just submitted my end of year marks. We our school year finishes in December, and I what you're saying is so true. I mean, we as humans, uh, we can we have insight into our own selves a little bit, but there's stuff going on in there that we don't even see. And my head of department re- recently came back and said, "Oh, I noticed that you've given this one girl um, a, a high mark, and you've given this other girl um, as, as an end of year mark, uh, a really high mark, and the other girl uh, a lower mark." And they've got the same internal grades. And I looked at it and sure enough, he was right. And I go, what on earth is going on there? And I said, uh, actually, as I was reflecting on my way home, thinking, why would I do that? I thought, well, the girl who I gave a high mark, she always says good morning. She always says, thank you for the lesson, Mr. Matthews. She's very sweet. She puts her hand up when I, and I thought, oh man, like I've actually been a little bit biased there. And that's not something you like to see in yourself, is it? You like to think, oh, I'm going to be a, a fair and impartial marker of these students so I can give them accurate feedback. And But you're exactly right. People say, oh, you know, what about AI-generated marking? It might not be as, or as, as rigorous. And you go, well, in some ways, if we're honest as educators, you look into your own heart, sometimes there's a lack of rigor there as well. Yeah, no, super. And it's super good. So as we close out, Paul, I'm always grateful for, for your time and for your energy. And I love connecting people with your work. Maybe just in, in kind of your world and some of this work with ed tech and AI, what, what's something that you're keeping an eye on or what's something that you're seeing that maybe people should, you know, kind of start to pay attention to? Well, look, let me give you a reflection on education, Eric. Um, I think as an educator, what I'm seeing in my classrooms is that the keeping students away from AI is not going to work. Okay. That's not an option anymore. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, schools often started off by saying, we're going to ban chat GPT. And you go, okay, crumbs is Google Bard now. Okay. We'll ban that too. And they're just walking around the into the the sort of the um the worldwide web with a big old stick trying to play whack-a-mole with all these things and you go well you can't keep that up for too long I, I was saying that months ago you can't keep that up for too long but then what do i see now i've been telling students to use grammarly for a long time okay Ho- hold on a second grammarly has an inbuilt ai right so i can click on the little button and it's a large language model ai that i can use and what does that mean well, it means that the entire response many schools had, which was, okay, we're going to get students to do their work in a Google Doc so we can see editing history. So if they've copied and pasted it in from a large language model, well, then we'll know. Well, what happens now? Someone in Grammarly with no record can do their whole essay and they can write it in word for word. So when we look at the edit history, it looks completely authentic. And what do I also see? I use the the Brave browser. It's just a, it's a fairly secure browser. I was typing there the other day And I see it's got an inbuilt large language model. And I go, it is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. This this tech has changed everything and it is everywhere. So I would say if you're a school, you need to think long and hard about how you shepherd your students through this. Because I'm convinced, and this may be a controversial opinion, Eric, I'm convinced that when we look back at this, um, this, say, 50 years from 2000 to 2050, it will not be COVID. That was the big disruptor. It will be artificial intelligence. And it's happening right underneath our feet right now. Okay. And so what I would say is we we need to realize it's everywhere. It's shaping everything. And if we are teaching in the same way that we were teaching five years ago, then we're actually doing our students a disservice. 
Paul, I love it. I live in San Jose, Silicon Valley, and what I see and the question and 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 just the things that I see people trying out and working on and just even some of my friends like you're spot on. I 100% agree. Um, it's exciting. It can be scary to people, but it's transformative and it's amazing how much we're actually using that we don't know we're actually using. So, Paul, always a pleasure. Thank you. Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you, Eric.